real story of Easter is Jesus came down to earth, taught us to help the poor, love our enemies, and so we killed him, and <laughs> then he came back. Why he came back, I don't know. It's not like we made him feel very welcome, but that's the story. And I wonder if children even know that. So we went on a Hollywood Boulevard where kids were enjoying spring break and asked them, what is the meaning of Easter? Here it is. The first Easter, ooh. You got toys? What kind of toys? Lego. Jesus rose from the dead? What happened with Jesus on Easter? He made a bunny. The bad guys killed him. What did he die of? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Drugs. He did this. Promise that he will come back on Easter? It took three days and two angels come and move a bowl, and Jesus was alive. What did Jesus do when he came back to life? Yep, there you have it. You don't really even need me this morning, do you? That is the story of Easter, maybe minus the drugs. Anywho, um, yeah, so that's, that's Easter for many of us. Um, it involves uh, Jesus, it involves a tomb, and for some reason, a bunny. And I don't know if you've ever looked it up, but I actually looked it up uh, this week to figure out how did a bunny become a part of the Easter story, and it seems like nobody really knows. Uh, there's some guesstimates on how it kind of weaved its way into our culture, but I actually have a personal hunch and something for you to consider is that most people, it sounds, uh, it sounds better to hunt for multicolored eggs that are full of candy than it does to talk about crucifixion and resurrection. That's just my hunch. I'll, I'll let you ponder which sounds more interesting to you. Now, long before there was a bunny, and really the reason for the season is the resurrection of Jesus. That is the reason for the season, and uh, this right here is actually a really, really big deal. Not only because it's like the only known resurrection, or at least highly recognized claim of a resurrection, um, but, and maybe you you knew this, maybe you didn't, Um, this is actually the foundation for Christianity as a religion. This is the foundation for Christianity. Uh, for, for Islam, for example, the Quran is the foundation of, of Islam. For Judaism, it's the Torah and the Old Covenant. Uh, and, and essentially, if you pull out any of those, uh, that card out of the, the, the house of cards, if you pulled that out, they would all fall down. If you pulled the resurrection out of Christianity, the whole, the whole house of cards would fall. If you pulled the Quran out of Islam or the Torah out of Judaism, the whole house of cards would fall down. This is the foundation of Christianity. And finally, this is important because the resurrection catapulted Christianity and Jesus to become a mainstream world religion that two plus billion people recognize and celebrate Easter this morning because of it, um, in the midst of, at the time, immense persecution. There were many um, people claiming new religions in Jesus' time or even claiming to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, to be the chosen one. But for some reason, Jesus stood out among all all the other ones. And for some reason, Jesus and Christianity did not die for the first 300 years of persecution that the church suffered um, uh, by, by the hands of, of the Jewish religious leaders in the Roman Empire. And that is because, and most historians b- would agree on this, is because of the resurrection of Jesus, or at least the claim of the resurrection of Jesus. 
Now, the question, in my opinion, that we should all ask sooner or later, and maybe we have asked this question before, is why does it matter? Why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Especially, why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to me? How does it impact you? What, what benefit does it bring to you? Does it change anything in your life or my life? Now, maybe uh, you just have always done Easter, and so, you know, today you're just logging on because it's a tradition, it's a thing you do, but you've never really contemplated why this day really, really matters. Maybe for some of you logging on today um, and, and watching, uh, you have a bit of a problem with, with Jesus or the faith or the Bible, and, and you know, maybe you haven't dismissed faith, but you haven't really engaged with it e- either, and, and you thought, hey, maybe this Easter will be a bit different, and so I'm just going to log into this church and, and watch and see why this is such a big deal. Or maybe you got invited today, and I'm really glad that you accepted that invite, but you've kind of put this browser in the background of all your other browser tabs, or, or you're doing some laundry or cleaning up the house while you've listened to this so you can tell your friend that invited you that you actually paid attention. I hope you will stop that and come back to the couch or wherever you are and sit and engage with this question, why does it matter? Because I would argue, and what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, is that it really matters. And before we get to why it matters, I think we have to acknowledge a bit of the problem. The problem that most of us bring to this question, we, we bring to, honestly, just like faith in general. And this is not a criticism, this is just a reality that most of us don't ask this question. Most of us go through life and we don't contemplate why the resurrection is a big deal. We, we approach faith very passively. To illustrate this, I'm going to use an image or what's known on the internet as a meme. And if you don't know what a meme is, you're going to live a perfectly normal life. Um, But essentially how this works is um, somebody posts a picture and then the internet takes hold of it and changes it and makes it funny and into a whole new thing. And this is a really famous one that's gone around the internet for a long time. And it's the change my mind meme. Essentially that this guy sits at this table in the middle of this park and puts a controversial topic here in the blank space and then invites people to just stop and change his mind. And, and then the internet just kind of took this whole thing and ran with it. And so essentially some examples are pineapple pizza is the best. Change my mind. I would be somebody who would stop to try to change this individual's mind. Another example, boneless wings are overpriced chicken nuggets change my mind. Personally, I can't argue with that, but you kind of get the whole idea. And so essentially, I'm suggesting that most of us would put faith in that blank spot, and then we just kind of sit there waiting for the chance that somebody comes by or somebody enters our life um, and tries to change our mind. Some of us, honestly, we're just kind of waiting for God to show up and change our mind. Or for some of us, we, well, we wait until there's like nowhere else to turn. When, when things have gotten bad, when we're, in a, when we're in a desperate place in our life, and then we finally say, God, are you there? God, could you change my mind? Or maybe Christians around me, could you change my mind? But until then, I think most of us kind of put faith on the back burner of our life. We put Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, kind of on the back burner of our life. 
and, and for some of us, there's some good reasons behind that. You know, you, you grew up in church, and I grew up in church, but then you become an adult, and you move away from what you felt like was kind of a childlike belief or faith in something that really didn't hold up to the, to the rigors and the challenges and the decisions of adulthood, that maybe your experience with Christians in particular were, was not that great. And so when you grew up, you just kind of said, I want, to be, I want to be done with that. And life got busy. And so why contemplate faith? Why contemplate Jesus? Why contemplate the resurrection? You got decisions to make, bills to pay, jobs to find and to, to grow into and a family to raise and all these reasonable things. And so it just kind of falls to the back burner. Or maybe for some of you, um, you read the Bible growing up, you had the Bible part of your life, but then you went to college and you began to question it. You began to question, is it really real? And, and some people said some things that kind of rocked the boat a little bit for you in the area of the Bible and more importantly, your faith. And, and when you looked at this question of the resurrection, when you looked at the question of just Jesus, Christianity in general, you kind of just stood there and, and thought to yourself, well, I'm not going to believe right now. I'm not going to make this a priority, but I'm just going to wait. And maybe someone one day will come along and change my mind. But right now, I just don't see the value in it. And you're waiting for something to happen. Now, the good news, in a sense, is you're not alone. You're not alone in this idea, in this, in this behavior of, of kind of just sitting and waiting. 2,000 years ago, on Easter morning, there was a group of people who were sitting and waiting, hoping that something would change. And that group of people were all of Jesus' followers. In fact, the people who were the closest to Jesus, the, the 12, or at that point, the 11 disciples, and, and, all, and there was another group of people who were, who were close Jesus followers that we really don't know a whole lot about, but there were people that really had leaned in to follow Jesus, had given up so much to follow Jesus, and then Jesus died. And they were waiting for something to change because three days before Easter Sunday, they had seen Jesus crucified. They had seen Jesus buried, and to them it was over. To them, faith was over. To them, putting their faith in Jesus kind of at that point was, was just a waste of time, was just wrong. And it was so disheartening and sad. And maybe that, that has been your experience with faith too, where you got to this point and it was, it was just heartbreaking, but you just felt like you had no choice but to walk away. See, there wasn't anything wrong necessarily with Jesus' teaching. Like even today, most people agree that Jesus was an excellent teacher, and there really wasn't anything wrong with Jesus' values. Most of us today would, would say that Jesus' values were really good. You know, love your neighbor and heal the sick and care for the poor uh, and, and love your enemies. That those are, those are values that we want our kids to live out. There wasn't anything wrong with that. The problem for these disciples and what brought them to this point of passivity was that Jesus had claimed way too much stuff about himself. He, he had said he was the Messiah. He said he was the chosen one. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And the way, the truth, and the life shouldn't die. The Son of God shouldn't die, yet Jesus died. And so they were now in this place of sitting there saying, well, this is, this is where we are. Jesus is dead. It's over. And unless someone comes along to change my mind, this is where I am right now. Now, we know all of this because uh, Luke, among others, Luke, a doctor who said, I thoroughly investigated all these things, 
wrote the account of Jesus' life and wrote the account of the early church. And, and some of you know his writing. It's called the Book of Luke, which it really wasn't a book. It was just a historical letter that was written that Luke wrote and wanted to, um, to, to be able to tell people about Jesus' life. And he wrote this down. And here's what he to- tells us happened on Easter morning. He said, on the first day of the week, i.e. Sunday, very early in the morning, the women, so the closest followers of Jesus who are women, took spices. The reason you take spices to a tomb is because you are expecting to see a body. In fact, the women were likely going to re-embalm Jesus's body because they believed he was dead. And probably at this point, they, they just, honestly, they just wanted to do something because they, they felt so bad. And, and this was just a way for them to engage with the loss of, of their leader with the loss of their friend. And so they just wanted to do something. And when they got there, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Or another way to say this, what they found when they got there was nobody. They didn't find anybody when they got there. They just found a stone rolled away. Jesus said, Jesus told them on many occasions that he would rise again, yet no one was there. Nobody was there. Why? Because nobody believed it. Nobody was standing outside the tomb on Easter morning, counting down, waiting for Jesus to come out. Ten, nine, eight, where's Jesus? Is he coming? Is he coming? Nobody was there because everybody believed Jesus was dead. Everybody believed it was over. And the disciples, according to John's account, not Luke's account, but John's account, they had locked themselves inside because they were afraid of the same religious leaders who had crucified Jesus coming after them. And they believed Jesus was dead. And were waiting for someone to change their mind. And so when the women entered the tomb, they did not find the body of Jesus either. Nobody was there, and there was nobody. Nobody and nobody. Nobody and nobody. They thought maybe the body had just been stolen. So the, the, Luke continues. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, so the remaining disciples, the closest followers of Jesus, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them. So there's quite this group of, of, of ladies who'd gone out to the tomb who came back and said, there is no body. Who told this to the apostles? But the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. In other words, they said, Our minds aren't going to change. Jesus is dead. He's dead. And my concern for you is that we can fall victim to this same attitude. We we can fall victim to the attitude of just waiting for somebody else to come change our mind. And I get it. Resurrection is a really big concept. But but I would invite you to consider what, what if he did rise again? Like, And this is hard to imagine just because it's so unusual, but what if someone you knew died and you saw them? You saw them, maybe you were there when they died, and then three days later, they came back. Imagine that. What what would you say? How would you respond? I would imagine most of you would just want to say, How? You know, what's the secret? You got my attention. Can I have some of what you have? Because that is incredible. That is honestly a miracle. Yet here are the disciples being told by the women that the body is gone, knowing that Jesus said he would rise again, and their first thought in their minds is, 
They're saying nonsense. Nothing. See, I think we have to be careful. We have to, because if we're not careful, just the way things are can become a way of life. Consider, consider the pandemic we're in right now. It's a challenging thing, no doubt. And it's so easy in the midst of this pandemic to just kind of resign ourselves to, listen, just the way things are. This is just how it is. Uh, for example, a, a, a kind of a superficial example, but, but an example is like we could have just resigned ourselves as a church to say, hey, we normally put this on, on this Easter egg hunt for, for the community, but, but this year we're not just going to be able to do it and we just, we just give up. We cancel it. Or we could put an Easter bunny on a fire truck and drive it through the city. It's so much easier to resign ourselves to the fact that nothing can be done rather than engaging with and challenging ourselves, challenging our preconceived notions that there are no other options. Challenge the idea that this is just the way things are. I want you to consider for a second that if you, if you kind of look back in your life to maybe a significant break in a relationship that you had or, or divorce or, or just a, a, a relationship that fell apart, I want to suggest to you that the reason, the point at which the relationship really fell apart was the point at which somebody in that relationship decided this is just the way things are. Because if this is the way things are, nothing else is going to change, nothing's going to get better, why is there a point to continuing this? That's the point at which things just fell apart because nothing is going to change. Imagine if, if you had an employee, maybe you're a manager or leader somewhere, or, or a coworker of yours, came to work every day with the idea that this is just the way things are. And you'd say, hey, why don't you think about doing it this way? And they said, no, this is just the way things are. Wouldn't that kind of be frustrating to you to have people in your life that just kind of refuse to learn, refuse to grow, refuse to consider a different avenue, a different way? Why then, if that is all frustrating, why then when it comes to our faith, when it comes to Jesus, why is it that sometimes you and I take the, the, the path of this is just the way things are. And we put something so significant as God, something so significant as somebody dying and coming back from the grave on the back burner. The disciples in this moment, they didn't listen. In fact, they even admitted it. They wrote themselves into these stories. John wrote himself into these stories. The disciples wrote themselves into these stories saying, listen, we believed that Jesus was dead. We did not believe he came back. When the women came and told us otherwise, we said, nonsense. Death was death. It's the way it is until it wasn't. Until while they were still talking about this, what the woman, women had said, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, just kind of poof, appeared in the room and said to them, peace be with you. And John gasped, and Andrew dropped a glass, and maybe Peter swore. I don't know, I'm just making that up. But, you know, long story short, they were startled and they were frightened. And that's what Luke says, starting in verse 33. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they had seen a ghost. And Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. He goes on, It is myself. Touch me and see 
that I am not a ghost. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed him them his hands and his feet. And I don't know, but in my imagination, I think Jesus said all of this with a little bit of a grin on his face, knowing that he had done something that they definitely weren't expecting. And he had done something that was going to change the rest of their lives if they decided to believe and trust in what had just happened. And this right here is maybe the point that you're doubting too. This is the point of Jesus showing back up after being buried. And if that's where your doubts are, stick with me because we're going to address that in just a minute. And, and then the, the story goes on. And while, they did, uh, and, and while they still did not believe, so Jesus is right there in front of them, showing them his hands, showing the nail holes in his hands. They did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Honestly, they were just overwhelmed. And then this really funny part happened. I think it's really funny, especially if you were in the room at this time um, and, and you kind of approach this with a little bit of a sense of, of humor. Here's what he said next. They didn't, they didn't ask. And then so he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Like all this resurrection stuff just kind of works up an appetite. And so Jesus is like, here I am. And by the way, do you have anything to eat? So they get him some food. And then Jesus took the next moment to kind of recap the significance of what had just happened. The last three days, essentially, what was the significance of the last three days? And here's him talking, explaining this to the disciples. He said, the Messiah, in other words, he, Jesus, Jesus will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance, and repentance is kind of a scary word. Some of us grew up in church, and, and this, you know, the pastor would yell a lot and say, you need to repent, you need to repent. Repentance means essentially to change directions, to change paths. Essentially, Jesus is saying, he rose on the third day, and a new path, a new avenue for the forgiveness of sins will be preached. This new door, this new opportunity has opened up for forgiveness of sins. Sins being when we miss the mark with how God meant our world and our relationships to work. When we miss the mark with him, when we miss the mark with one another, that's a sin. When we, when we do not love as God commanded us to love, that's when we fall short and that's when we sin. But there is forgiveness now possible. And it will be preached in his name, Jesus' name, to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are, key word, a witness of all those things. Because what's a witness? When there's a, a crime or, or something dramatic that happens or a, a, you get interviewed by, by a police officer or something, they're looking for a witness. What is a witness? A witness is someone who saw it and a witness is someone who tells others about it. In other words, a witness says what they saw. And what's so incredible is from this moment in the story of Christianity on, these men and women left this room and started telling people all about it. They told Luke about it, who then wrote it down and documented it. John who was there, wrote it, and told us his perspective, his story. Peter, at least tradition holds that he tells John Mark, who then writes what we know as the gospel of Mark. And then we get to read that as to have Christians for the past few thousand 
years. The disciples left this room telling people. They went before the same religious leaders who executed Jesus just three days before and said, we are no longer afraid of you. We are no longer afraid of death. You all, Jewish leaders, messed up. You killed the Messiah. God raised him, and you need to say you're sorry. My friends, that is either just stupidity or that is amazing faith transformed because of the fact that they saw Jesus die and rise again. And so they knew even if they died, they could rise again because they had put their faith in the one who pulled it off himself. And they were no longer afraid. It changed their entire world and it catapulted Christianity into a massive way out into the entire world, eventually changing the entire world. So let's go back to this question. Why does it matter? Obviously, it mattered to the disciples, those people who were there to see Jesus on Resurrection Sunday, but why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to me? And so I want to break this down, why it matters, into three groups. They're not perfect groups, but they're the best I came up with. And here's the first group. Here's the first group that I want to talk to. I want to talk to the group of you who say, I'm not sure about this. This being Jesus, this being faith, this being the resurrection. I want to talk to those of you who have doubts. I want to talk to those of you who maybe identify as agnostic or or atheist. And one, I want to just say, I am super glad you're here because that's an amazing step to just say, hey, I'm going to listen to something that maybe I'm going to struggle with. I'm going to, I'm going to not just sit and wait for someone to change my mind. I'm going to go learn or challenge myself in a, in a little bit of a new way. And having been an agnostic myself for a few years of my life, I want to share with you something that I learned when it comes to this question and when it comes to your doubt and your beliefs. I want you to lean into whatever category of doubts or agnosticism or atheism that you fall into. And I know that kind of seems a little weird because why would a pastor say, hey, you need to become more of an atheist. You need to become more of an agnostic. You've got to really lean into those doubts. I tell you that because, one, I don't want you to sit. I don't want you to wait for someone to come around to change your life. And I'm very grateful that some people came into my life through my years as an agnostic and, and really helped me to change. And, and I really appreciate them. And, but, but I also didn't just uh, you know, kind of walk away from them. I, I engaged with them. I, I tell you, I want you to engage with you. I want, to, I want you to lean into them because Jesus tackled the disciples' doubts. And I think he can tackle yours too. You just have to be willing to wrestle with them. You just have to be willing to read. You have to be willing to pray. You have to be willing to ask for help and not shy away from the, the, the conversations with people and, 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 and shy away from the books or shy away from the YouTube videos that, that may force you to wrestle more with your doubts and insecurities when it comes to faith. That, that, that you just... Don't get to the point where, where you're kind of sitting there like asking, well, well, God, if you could do something then, why can't you just do something now? Because I, I realize that's a lot of, of what people would say. Like, you know, if God, you're that amazing, just, just you know, bolt a lightning or something. So I know that you 
are real. I'm just telling you that, that God kind of looks at that approach and says, listen, I did do something incredible. I did something then so that you could hear about it now and choose a different path. I did something then so you could hear about it now, even 2,000 years later, and choose to change the path that you're on. Choose to change where you put your faith. And if you're Gnostic and you're an atheist, you have to really lean into that because I'm afraid that a lot of people who choose to take on that title of agnostic or atheist do so because, well, if you don't believe in God, then you just automatically fall into one of those categories. And that, that's just not true. Atheism and agnosticism are profound, complex belief systems. And if you're not aware of that, then you need to read up on the faith system that you have put yourself in because it is a faith system. And you need to be aware of that and acknowledge and understand the category, essentially, that you've put yourself into and the approach you've taken when it comes to wrestling with the question of God to make sure that's really the bucket you want to put, the system that you want to fall into. Because that maybe once you lean into it, you'll get to the point where you say, as it did kind of in my life, something's missing. Something's missing. And that maybe it has to do with God's love. And that maybe it has to do with a hope. A hope in a resurrection, in, in life after death. That it has to do with the forgiveness and peace that comes with Jesus dying on the cross, rising again and saying, follow me. Jesus invites you to put your faith in him. He's not wanting things from you. He's not wanting to ruin your life and make you give everything away and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. He's inviting you into faith in him, into a life that comes with all of that. And if you have any questions, I'd be happy to buy you coffee and we have a Zoom meeting or in a few months we can maybe actually get together. The, the second category I want to talk to is those of you who fall into this button or bucket. I liked things the way they were, and then the world turned upside down, and now I'm stuck at home, which just happens to be a lot of us. How does Jesus' resurrection affect us? Why does it matter to us? My friends, this is a perfect time to grow. Hearts can change at home. Hearts just don't change during a church service on Easter Sunday. Hearts can change at home in the six other days of the week. My friends, Jesus taught a lot of things, really practical areas of life. He addressed how we can handle them. And then he died, which means that everything he said and everything he claimed about himself is kind of circumstantial, is suspect. But then he came back, which means that if someone can die and then pull off his own resurrection, kind of means we should probably listen to what they have to say, because obviously they've figured out something that we ourselves don't understand. And so in this new series that we're going to start next week, we're going to get really practical in that what Jesus said and taught on, on subjects that really matter into our lives, especially when our world is upside down and we're stuck at home. Things like parenting and marriage and dating and finances and priorities. Jesus addressed all those things. He claimed to know the truth in all of those areas of our life, taught it, died and rose again, as if to punctuate that he really had a handle on what life was really about. My friends, when I became a Christian, I realized that life after death is actually just kind of the perk 
of Christianity, the benefits of following Jesus can start now, today. Peace that passes all understanding is possible now, today. In the areas of your life where you feel stalled, in the areas of your life where, where you have some difficult decisions to make, he can help you. You can take steps. But it's going to be very difficult if you just pop a table on the side of a road waiting for just someone randomly to come along to change your mind versus if you choose to engage with it even as you sit at home. And finally, to wrap this up, I want to talk to the Christians. Why does this matter to the Christians? And though I realize it should seem kind of obvious, Christians, I just want to ask you, when was the last time that you thought about the resurrection other than within the last seven days? When was the last time that that the resurrection helped calm your fears and your worries? When was the last time the resurrection was the reason that you had hope when it was really a hopeless time? Listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we have months of this to come, if not months of, of isolation, months and months of economic recovery and challenges. My friends, the world needs hope. It needs confidence. It needs light in the midst of that. And so what I want you to do when we're wrapped up with the service today, I encourage you sometime today, just go out and Google Christians and ancient plagues. Christians and ancient plagues. And I just want you to read about how Christians approached massive amounts of death in the midst of plagues and pandemics that were far, far worse than anything that we're imagining now. And I do not mean to discount what's happening now, but before the world of modern medicine, it was a challenging and scary, scary time. And how the Christians engaged with it was honestly amazing. And why did they engage with the worst in these pandemics and all this death in such a positive, generous, sacrificial way? Because Jesus told them, that the greatest commandment was to love your neighbor, to love one another. And then he conquered death. And so they could go forward to care for the sick, to care for those in need without fearing death. Maybe for some of us, for those of us who claim ourselves to be Christians, we need to reconsider our existing routines and our existing practices of faith because the world is not routine anymore. That we need to go into it with a resurrection type of faith, a faith grounded in that. Because historians agree that that faith, resurrection faith, changed the world. They can argue and squabble about whether or not it happened, but they cannot uh, deny that a bunch of people believed it and that it catapulted Christianity into whole new realms and changed the world. And it changed how some of these pandemics played out because of the approach Christians took in the face of them. That they went out not to guilt people and shame people about their sin and their shortcomings. They went out and modeled sacrificial love that their Savior had modeled for them. They they modeled kindness because that's what their Savior had modeled for them. That's what Jesus taught us, and that's what Jesus lived out. They gave more even when they had so little to give. They served more when they had more time to serve. 
They got creative. They just didn't sit back. Simple ways that we're doing it is we're writing as pen pals to those people in care centers. That's a very, very simple, not a lot of time way to just be generous and kind in the midst of a pandemic. But I bet you if all of us, all of you watching, the couple hundred of you tuning in right now watching this, decided to stand up and not just sit down and engage with a resurrection type of faith, we have the opportunity to change the world. And that when the, the story of COVID-19 is nothing more than just a story that we tell our, our friends or family or kids about, it is a story that we can stand up and say, those Christians I don't quite get their faith. I don't quite get what they believe. I'm, I'm still wrestling with that. But those Christians, they went out and loved and changed the world. What if that was the story of this pandemic? That when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, when, when you decide today to close out this browser window, that, that you leave not just with an attitude of, well, it's just the way it is, but with an attitude of something's changing, something can change, and I can be a part of it, and it can start with me. That maybe when you leave today, something stirs inside of you, and you just don't kind of push it to the side, put it to the back burner anymore. You engage with it. You challenge yourself with it. You learn and you grow. Wrestle with your doubt. Reassess your normals. Grow. Don't just sit idle. Because if Jesus really did rise from the grave, it can change everything. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes, wherever you're watching from, and join me in just a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Luke, thank you for John and Mark, and all the accounts of this incredible story that we have. Thank you for the women that went to the tomb. Thank you for the disciples that though it took some processing, decided to take that step of faith and trust you. Lord, I pray for all of those watching online this morning, maybe watching the recording of this, that as they sit wrestling with where they are in their faith, where they've been in their faith, that today is a day of change. Today is a day no longer of sitting idle, but putting faith and, or wrestling with faith in a new and profound way. Because if your son really did die and rise again, it can change everything that we wouldn't just walk back into our new normals or our, our new crazy normals that we're all kind of living in, but we would move forward with intentionality and confidence and courage because of the love your son showed for us on that cross and the amazing story of his resurrection. Lord, help us to engage with that, to take it seriously and grow in the days and the weeks to come. In your name I pray, amen.